Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Some time ago we began studying through the book of Romans and we've had some interruptions because of of different events through the month of um, April and first part of May. But um, we come to Romans chapter 2 today and we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 16. And the title of the message is is The Judge Who Loses. The Judge Who Loses. Follow in your Bibles as I read beginning verse 1, Romans 2. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? For after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious, And do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without law shall shall perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Let's pray. Father, we ask today that you would give enablement to bring this message. I pray that you would use it to speak to hearts. It might be that there's a person here who is a self-righteous person. That doesn't mean they're uh, bad as far as the world's concerned, but they think they're good enough, Lord, to go to heaven. I pray that you might uh, speak to that heart and help them to realize that self-righteousness in no way... uh, allows us to go to heaven. It does not qualify us for eternity in heaven. So, Lord, I just pray you'd use the message. And then for us who have trusted Jesus as our Savior, just encourage us today in the Lord and help us to realize that if we got what we deserve, we would not go to heaven. We would go to hell. And so we rejoice in your grace today, and we thank you for it. Now, I'll just pray you bless the message, given been able to bring it and use it in to reach hearts today in accordance to your will, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There were many in Paul's day who thought they were pretty good people. They were good moral people. They had commendable qualities. They were not like the heathen described in chapter 1. And uh, they would agree with Paul when he said that the heathen were without excuse, as he said in chapter 1, verse 20. 
they would have probably said amen or preach it, brother, when Paul said that the fornicators and idolaters deserved the wrath of God, that the murderers and haters of God and covenant breakers and homosexuals were worthy of the judgment of God. You see, these people were good people that Paul is addressing, I believe, in this passage. They were good people, upstanding citizens, examples in the community, and they felt that they were capable of, capable of judging others, and uh, they were glad to do that if they were talking about other people. The same type of people exist today. Many times they are church members, they're community leaders, politicians, and yes, even preachers. They are good at judge, making judgment about others, but they feel that they are above judgment themselves. But the real problem is that those people are often guilty of the same things that they judge others for. They either have hidden sin or they commit sins that only are in their mind or there are sins that they commit that they don't even know about. They don't recognize them as sin. These are people whom Paul, would, whom Paul I think, is addressing in this passage, those who are making this judgments. They are self-righteous people. So this morning in the message, I'd like for us to consider some things about these self-righteous people. Four things concerning them as we see in this passage. The first one is the characteristics of the self-righteous person. First of all, he judges others. Look at verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou, thou art that judgest. He judges other people. Now the problem is not that he's making judgments about people, and, uh, but because we can do that. You've probably all heard, maybe you've said it. Uh, you know, you shouldn't judge people. I, I want to differ with you today. You should judge people. And the Lord's not saying in this passage that you shouldn't make judgments because we should. In fact, we have to. When God says that uh, immorality is sin and somebody is committing immorality, it's not wrong for you to say to them, you're sinning. They might respond by saying, you're judging. You could say, you're right. I'm judging by what God tells me. If somebody steals a loaf of bread at, 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 at Kroger, and you see them take that bread, it would be all right for you to go up and say, that's not right for you to take that bread. They might respond by saying, you're judging me. You could say, yes, I am, because the Bible says stealing is wrong. And so, you see, uh, we can make judgments. We have to make judgments. You have to make judgments about truth. You have to make judgments about sin. You have to make those judgments, and God wants us to make those judgments, and God wants us to do that. But you only can judge what you see. You can't judge what you can't see. Many times people get into trouble in judging others because they judge their motives. It's all right to say what you're doing is wrong because the Bible says it's wrong, but it's not right for you to, doing, to say, I know why you're doing it. No, you don't. You might think you know. You might have a, uh, an idea of why they might do it, but you don't, don't, do not know their heart. Only God knows that. And so that's not the kind of judging he's talking about here. What he's saying is that these people who are making these judgments are me people making judgments about things, about other people, and they're doing the same things themselves. And God says, 
That's a self-righteous person. They think they're so good, and they, they're ready to point out all these evils of other people, and they think they're above that, and, uh, but God says you're doing the same things. Notice what it says in verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges, whether you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter, whoever you are that judge, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. You're doing the same thing. You might say, well, how, how is it that we, we do that when we judge others? Well, you can do the same thing because there's a lot of ways you can do the same thing. You know, you can do the same thing in your mind that they're doing uh, physically. The Bible says if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery already with her in your heart. You might say, well, I didn't commit adultery. God says, yes, you did. And so if you're bringing judgment upon others, but you refuse to judge yourself, God says, that's not right. So this is the self-righteous person. An example of that that judging, you remember, is David. You remember in 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, the prophet came to David and he told him about this person who was rich and he had all kinds of sheep. And he had a neighbor who was poor, and he had one little sheep. That sheep was so dear to him that it even slept with him. I mean, it was his pet. And he said, this rich man had somebody visiting him, and uh, rather than kill one of his sheep, he went and took, he stole the poor man's sheep, the only sheep he had, his pet sheep. He stole that poor man's sheep, killed it, and made a meal for his friend that was visiting him. And David got so mad. And he said that person should die and that person should pay fourfold. In other words, he pays fourfold and then he, then he dies. And you remember the prophet pointed his finger at David and said, David, thou art the man. David was making a judgment, but he was guilty of the same thing. Because he said, you took, you have all these wives and you took Uriah's wife because you thought she was pretty. You took her and made her and you committed adultery with her, and David, you're the man you deserve. Well, David had already pronounced the judgment, hadn't he? He said you should die. David didn't have to die for it, but he said you should pay fourfold. Well, sure enough, David paid fourfold and even more. First of all, the baby that was born to him in Bathsheba died, one sheep. Next, uh, Amnon, his son, committed incest. He raped his sister, two sheep. Then Absalom got mad at Amnon and killed him, and Amnon was David's son as well, three sheep. And then you remember Absalom rose in rebellion against his dad. He took his dad's concubine and in the open out and set a tent up out there. Everybody knew what he was doing, and he was committing immorality with his dad's concubines. And then Absalom was killed, four sheep. David, you got paid back exactly what, you, what was David doing. He was judging somebody else, but he was guilty of the same thing. And we've already mentioned adultery in the heart. You know, you can make judgments about somebody and you can be guilty of the same thing. You might say, well, I'm not an enemy of God. These people are enemies of God. You might mention some politicians. I'll not name them by name today, but I could name a few <laughs> that I consider enemies of God. And you say, well, I'm, I'm not an enemy of God, but the Lord says this. If you have friendship with the world, that doesn't mean you have friends in the world, but you really love the world. You love worldliness. 
You like to be like the world. The Lord says friendship of the world is enmity against God. So you can see how this all applies. And so the Bible says that uh, God, is, God is against those who, who make judgment about others and then they're guilty themselves the cells are the same thing. We despise a thief. And most people here would despise a thief. And you might say, I just can't stand the thief. But then you come to church, and that week you made $1,000, or maybe you made 1500 or maybe you made 2000 or maybe you made 600 whatever it was you made. And you come into the house of the Lord, and the offering plate passes, and you give a $10 bill. And... Uh, for a $1,000 work week. What does God say in the book of Malachi? If you, don't, if you don't tithe to the Lord, you are robbing God. What's that? That's a thief. <laughs> so you see how we can make judgments about others and we can be guilty of the same thing. That's self-righteousness. We're putting ourselves up as somebody really special and good and yet we're guilty of the same thing. So that's the characteristics of the self-righteous person. Now let's look at the criterion for judging those self-righteous people. And these are God's criteria. First of all, God judges by truth. You see, God is the one who's the judge. And he's going to make judgment upon these people by truth. Now look, notice what it says in verse, verse um, 2. But we are sure, sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that will com- commit such things. You see, this self-righteous person thinks that he's above judgment, above judgment. But the Lord says, verse 3, And thinkest thou that this man, that the judges, this, O man, that judges them which do the such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? God says, no, I judge by truth. You'll not escape, even though you think you will, but the truth is, you will, you will be judged. God will judge you. And so God determines his uh, judging by truth. And so the Lord says that, verse, verse 4, it says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Sometimes, you know, we misinterpret, misinterpret the goodness of God. Have you ever heard somebody say, Well, I was in the war. I was in World War II, or I was in Vietnam, or I was in the Korean War, whatever it might be. And, you know, I was really in a tough spot, and the shells were flying, and I talked to God, and I asked him if he would protect me, and my buddy got killed, and a friend across the way, he got killed, and I made it through. And, you know, God has been so good to me. He must, be, he must have something special planned for me. He must think I'm, I'm worth saving because God blessed me. God says, don't do that. Don't think that the goodness of God equals the approval of God. You see, God says that that just because you didn't experience that doesn't mean that you're better. And that's what they were doing. They were thinking they were better than others, but it's not true. They despise the the goodness of God. Notice what it says in verse 4. Or despisest thou the goodness of God, riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. So these people who were self-righteous, God had been good to them. 
God had, had, had forbear them. He was long-suffering to them. And he says, don't you think that that's, an, that's evidence of God's uh, approval? But it's not because you also will be judged. You see, the Bible says this, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. God, when he's good to you, it doesn't mean he's approving of you. It means he's, he's giving you uh, uh, another opportunity to trust the Lord and to repent. And it's showing that God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he wants you to trust him. And don't equate the goodness of God as the approval of God. And these people were doing that. You know, we're doing all right. We're going to be okay. God says, no, you're not going to be okay. You're going to be judged. And so we have to be careful about that. Do you remember the example the Lord gave? And uh, he told in the, in the Gospels about uh, this uh, tower of Siloam falling on people and killing 18 of them. And he said, some of you will say, well, God's, you know, God spared us. God's been good to us. And and uh, we must be better than they because God killed 18 of them. But what, is, what was Jesus' answer? He said, don't think that. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And so God, you have to understand, when God's good to you, it doesn't mean he's approving you. It's giving you more opportunities to repent and trust the Lord. Some might be here today, and your life has been pretty good. You haven't trusted the Lord yet, but you think that because... Everything's going pretty well. You're going to do all right. God would say, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So God's judgment is according to truth. God's judgment is also according to deeds. Notice what it says in verse 6. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. Now, this is not talking about salvation. This is not talking about being saved because of your deeds. We know that's not true. Because Paul, who wrote this passage, makes it clear in other passages, like chapter 3, uh, verse 20, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Chapter 4, verse 5, to him that worketh not, but believeth on him. The, you're not saved by works, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, not, less, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't work your way to heaven. You can be a good person, but that won't make you go to heaven. You'll never get to heaven by being good. And so God's judgment is according to deeds. God will judge according to your deeds. He'll not save according to your deeds. The deeds must be well-doing. He says in verse, verse six who, or verse 7, to them who by patient and continuance in well-doing. We have to understand what well-doing is. Uh, well-doing is not just doing good things. Well-doing is doing what God tells you to do. And the Bible says in John chapter 6 that the work of God is to believe on him that sent him, that he sent. So believe on Jesus that he sent. That's good works. That's good, that's well do, doing. And God, if you are a good person, and uh, you know, the world would consider you a good person. You're kind, you're patient, uh, you're loving, and all those things, and you're a moral person, and all of that. But if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will not go to heaven because you have not obeyed God. You have not done what he's told you to do. And that is trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Believe on what he did on the cross of Calvary and put your faith in the Lord. So the Lord wants us to be 
sure that uh, we are doing as he wants us to do. And the first thing is to trust Jesus as your Savior. The condemnation will also be severe severe for those who do not obey the truth. It says in verse 8, But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey righteousness, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. So a person who trusts the Lord as Savior, they're going to be a person who's, who's, uh, who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality, and eternal life. That's the true Christian. But the person who doesn't do that, the person who hasn't trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and these things are characteristic of them, the Lord says they will be judged and it will be eternal loss. So God judges according to deeds. Also, God judges without respect of persons. You know, God doesn't look at somebody and say, this person's more important than this person. We make that mistake sometimes because we often do that. Have you ever heard somebody, or have you said it yourself, somebody got killed, you saw it on the TV, and you say, and they show the picture, and you say, that's such a shame, she was such a pretty lady. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? <laughs> what does that have to do with it? It would be a shame if she wasn't a pretty lady, <laughs> because that's a human being. But we make judgments like that all the time. God doesn't. God doesn't judge. He's no respect of persons. And so it doesn't matter who you are. Look at verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many have sinned without the law shall, be, shall perish without the law, and they that have sinned by the, in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law... These having not the law are law unto themselves. Now, what does all that mean? The Lord says that he will judge without respect to persons, whether it be a Jew or a Gentile. The Jew has the law. He knows what God says in the law. He knows the Ten Commandments. He knows the standards as as laid out in the Scripture. And so he'll be judged because he knows that. But then the Lord says, well, what about the Gentile who doesn't have the law? Is he exempt because he doesn't have the law? The Lord says, no, because he had the law written in his heart. Now, is that true? Is the law written in people's hearts? Yes, it is. Because you go to any heathen tribe, and you'll find even in those places, they know it's wrong to steal. <laughs> they know it's wrong to take somebody else's wife. They know it's wrong to kill. They know that. Well, how did they know that? They're made in the image of God, and God wrote that law in their heart. They have what is called a conscience, and that conscience is in them, and uh, it's like the, the conscience is the judge. And then he says there's accusing and excusing. Accusing is the prosecutor. Excusing is the, is the defense attorney. And so there's this going on in the heart. And the conscience is to make that decision. And the Lord says he gives people conscience. And if our conscience is right, we will make the right decisions. But many people's conscience has been seared. They've done wrong so many times it doesn't bother them anymore. Uh, you know, we see these crimes, and they tell it about on TV just, you know, yesterday. That 18-year-old that went in and shot all those people. I mean, how could they do something like that? 
Evidently, there had been a pattern of life when they were doing wrong and wrong, and, and, uh, and they turned against society, and I don't know what was going on in that young man's life, but uh, it, he, he knew better. But he kept making decisions, and finally his conscience was seared, and it didn't bother him to go in and kill people. But God says these people are without excuse. So God's no respecter of persons. You don't have an excuse. If you ca- and if you came from a church like this, where I preach the gospel, I know I do. And I tell you, the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, and he died for your sins. He paid for all of them on the cross of Calvary, and he rose again the third day. And because he paid for it all, and he says, if you'll believe that, you can be saved, you can have eternal life. Now, I've preached that almost every service. <laughs> I get it in some way in the message. And the worst place to go to hell from would be a place like this because you've heard the truth over and over and over again. But what about the heathen? I mean, this would be the worst place. I believe there are degrees of punishment. This, a church like this would be the worst place to go to hell from. You, you've heard it over and over, but you didn't do it. You didn't trust the Lord. But what about the heathen? They haven't heard it, but they still have the testimony of God I mean, creation itself cries out, there is a God, and he's not a stump, he's not a tree, and he's not the sun, he's not the star. There is a God, he's great and he's good. And creation tells us that, and their conscience tells them that. They know it's not right to bow down to a stump. They know it's not right right to bow down to a molten image. But they do it because they have turned against God. And so everybody is is, is uh, accountable before God, and there is no excuse whatsoever. God is no respecter of persons. God's judgment also includes the secrets of men. Look at verse 16. It says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. This is sobering. <laughs> I mean, would you want to come and hear me preach if I knew everything about you? I imagine if that was true, there wouldn't be anybody here today. (laughs) If I could look over here and look at Ernie, I'm not picking on you, Ernie. But Ernie knows, and I know, I know everything about him. I know all of his thoughts. I know all of his past. I know his present. I know everything about him. I just imagine Ernie would have an excuse not to be here today. (laughs) But God knows everything. He knows all about you. And we will stand before God one day, and uh, God knows all of your, all of the reasons you give. You know, somebody says, "Well, I haven't become a Christian because God knows all that," and God knows how foolish those dece- those reasons are. God knows everything, and if you think you're going to stand before God and you're going to look pretty good and you'll say, "My good deeds outweigh my bad deeds," and I think God will accept me. You've never considered the holiness of God. I mean, he's the almighty creator. He made everything and he makes you, he made you in the womb. And he knows all. He's everywhere. He knows everything that's going on. You can't hide from him. He knows all about you. And you, as a sinner who think you're good, you're going to stand for a holy and righteous God. You won't say a word. You say, well, if I stand before God, I'll tell No, you won't tell him. You won't need to tell him. He already knows everything. 
And if, you, if the issue is Jesus Christ, that's the issue. And if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how many good things you've done. That doesn't matter. You rejected his son, and you'll go to hell. And by the way, you don't have to wait for judgment to go to hell. You'll go to hell the moment you die. John 3.18, you remember, says, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're already condemned. Already. Condemnation's already passed. And you die like that, you go right to hell. You don't have to stand before God in a judgment and decide where you're going. You're going there now. The moment you die, you'll go to hell. You remember the rich man in uh, Luke 16 and Lazarus. He lifted up his eyes in torment. He died, he lifted up his eyes in torment. Immediately, he went to hell. Now, later there'll be a judgment called the Great White Throne Judgment, and we'll stand before there. They will stand before that judgment. I won't. But it says, death and hell were delivered up for the judgments of the Great White Throne Judgment. And then death and hell, that's the person, and, and all, all hell itself is going to stand before the Lord because he's already destroyed the earth, and, the earth, and hell today is in the middle of the earth. And so God destroys that. And everybody stands before him at that judgment. And then he says, all of them will be cast into the lake of fire. Every one of them. There'll be degrees of punishment. I don't understand that, but I believe it because God says it. There'll be degrees of punishment, but all will die without the Lord. Because God knows everything about you. He knows the secrets of your heart. Psalm 19 verse 12 says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. There are things about you that are wrong that you don't even know are wrong. But God knows it. So God judges according to the secrets of heart. And then God judges according to his gospel. Look at verse 16, the last part of it. According to my gospel. Now, all of you today, and I I think most of you trust the Lord, but I never know your heart. But all of you today are going to be judged according to the gospel. If you don't trust Jesus as your Savior, the gospel will stand there and say, it didn't have to be this way. Jesus died for your sins. He took the punishment. He took the wrath. He took the judgment. And he rose from the grave as proof it was all paid. And he offered to you the result of that and that you could be forgiven and you could go to heaven someday. And it it was free. It's all paid for. But you refused. And the gospel will stand as a judgment of you. And it will say to you, it didn't have to be this way. You didn't have to come to the place where you would be spending eternity in hell. You could be in heaven. You could be with Jesus. It didn't have to be that way. And you'll be judged according to the gospel. Now let's look quickly to the condemnation of the self-righteous. Well, verse 1 says that he condemns himself. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. I mean, we make judgments upon people, and yet we're guilty of the same thing. The Lord says you've already passed the judgment. I mean, that's what David did. He passed the judgment, didn't realize it was on him. But we pass the judgment if we think we're so good, you know, and everybody's bad, and we're going to go to heaven because we're good. The Lord says, you've already passed the judgment because you said all these people were, were going to go to hell because they did that. And God says, I know that you've done that. 
Have you ever known of preachers who preach fiery sermons about immorality and then you find out later they were involved in immorality? <laughs> so sad. But some people, it's just in their heart. It's their thoughts. And, uh, you know, they're thinking these things. And God says, uh, we'll, be, we'll condemn ourselves. But then, finally, God condemns. What about the condemnation of the self-righteous? Well, he condemns himself, but God condemns. Verse 2 says the judgment of God. Verse 3, thinkest thou that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? You won't. Verse 5, the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Verse 8, indignation and wrath. Verse 12, perish without law. Verse 16, God shall judge. Who's the judge? God is. God shall judge. Because even though we will sort of pass judgment of ourselves, nobody here would voluntarily jump into the lake of fire. You wouldn't jump into hell. You wouldn't make that decision. You wouldn't cast yourself there. But I'll tell you who will, and that is God. God will do that. God is the judge. And verse 1 says you are without excuse. It's inexcusable. But I want to close today by talking about the clearing of the self-righteous person. You know, you can be cleared. <laughs> you can be saved. I remember the day I got saved. I was 22 years old. I remember it vividly when I trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. How can you be saved? How can you, as a, maybe a self-righteous person who realizes the day I'm not really saved, how can you be saved? Well, the Bible says you must hear the gospel. You've heard it today. Jesus died for his sins on the cross of Calvary. He paid the price for those sins. He took all the wrath of God you deserve so that you wouldn't have to pay it. He was, he was buried, and then he rose again the third day as proof that it was paid for. And he says, if you'll believe that gospel and call upon the Lord to save you, you will be saved. You can escape the wrath. You've got to hear that message. Well, you've heard it. And secondly, you have to believe that gospel. You have to believe that gospel. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 13. So what's that say? It says believe. You got to believe. You got to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you must call upon him. So you hear the message, you believe the message, and you call upon the Lord to save you. Do you remember when you did that? You don't have to know the exact date. You don't have to know the exact time. But you know that there was a time in your life when you trusted Jesus as your Savior. You called out to him. You see, I don't want to stand before God with just my goodness because I have none. The Bible says all my righteousness are as filthy rags in his sight. The poet wrote this, if all the things you ever said were written in a book and all your thoughts were on display so all could take a look, I guess there's not a living soul who wouldn't hang his head and feel ashamed before the Lord and wish that he were dead. There is a record book, I'm told, with every deed and word. It even keeps the record of our thoughts that can't be heard. The good, the bad, and every sin, for nothing has been missed. It really makes me feel ashamed to think what's on my list, and yet the pages of my past shall never bother me, for Jesus nailed them to his cross one day on Calvary, and now I stand in him complete, 
redeemed from sin and strife. For with, for with his blood, he wrote my name down in the book of life. I'm so glad that all my secret sins, all my known sins have been forgiven. Aren't you? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're happy about that. If you're counting on your goodness to get you to heaven, friend, you won't make it. You won't make it. But if you're counting on Jesus to get you to heaven, you will. I often quote, and unashamedly I do it again, the song, Should I at the gates of heaven appear? To answer the question, what claim hast thou here? What hast thou to offer? Yea, what is thy plea? With blessed assurance my answer will be, All that I have is Jesus. All that I claim is Jesus. All that I want, all that I need, all that I plead is Jesus. That's the only reason I'm going to heaven, because of Jesus. I hope you're going as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the message of this passage, telling us, Lord, that we won't get to heaven by, being, by thinking we're good enough. We want to get to heaven by our good deeds. We want to get to heaven through faith in Jesus. If there's a person here today, Lord, up to this point, they've just been self-righteous. They think they're better than others, and that's going to get them to heaven. I pray they'd realize that that's not true, that you judge, you know everything, and none of us deserve heaven. But the only way we'll get there is through Jesus. Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Work in hearts. If someone is not saved, may they be today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.